Oh my God. The whole idea of doing IVF, like I was just, it wasn't even, I wasn't worried about having the actual retrieval. I wasn't worried about anesthetic. I wasn't worried about what the medications would do to me. It was just the injection, like the fact that I had to do an injection. So when, when the nurse ran me through um, all of the injections I had to do in my first round, I just cried. Oh, <laughs> I literally just cried and cried and cried. And, uh, you know, like all of us probably, I got home and I sucked it up and I did it and it's fine. Yeah. Well, I made Hayley do all of mine pretty much. <laughs> I still didn't really <laughs> like doing my own. <laughs> Yep. I'm, I, I'm still a little bit of a sook and I actually use um, a numbing gel. So before all of my injections, I put on a numbing cream. No way. I feel like I'm going to do that. I, I've, yeah. I've read about these numbing gels and I think I'm on board with yep. it. Yeah, yep. I didn't even know but that yeah. existed. Hi, I'm Hayley. And I'm Fiona. And welcome, welcome to What the IVF. Today we are joined by Olivia Nidham. She is a wonderful, wonderful woman who is just another one of those women who sit back and go, wow, you are so strong, so so resilient, so resilient. And to be honest, you know, myself having not started the IVF journey, like as personally, I look at her and I think, you know, she gives me the strength and grit and just a lot of things to to and positivity really to to want to you know push through the the hurdles and the barriers that come with IVF and she's a great listen isn't she Fee? She really is she's an incredible woman she is amazing story definitely uh just a total warrior I love that that term she's total she's a warrior and just to note we did have slight technical difficulty towards the end of the podcast but our producer jumped on board and and save the day. We um, had all of the difficulties, babe. Not so, just a slight. We literally, we had a phone die. We had Zoom audio go so haywire. It towards was, the end, there might be a bit of a, a glitch, but we got her back. We pushed on and we finished the interview with the wonderful Olivia. We hope you enjoy her story as much as we did. Here she is. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for joining us on What the IVF. We appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and I know a lot of other women will appreciate this story. Um, I know I already have having read through your email with all the details that you sent us and I think, um, you know, it's quite a journey that you've been on. So I'll get you to sort of start it off. Where did your (laughs) IVF journey begin? No problem. Thank you for having me. Um, So I think... um, My IVF journey began in um, 2017. Um, My husband and I had been together for about two years then, but uh, I guess for us we met when we were 35. So, you know, like there was no mucking about with trying to have babies. We were straight into it as soon as we were sort of ready. Um, So we we started in the March of 2017 trying to get pregnant, um, knowing that it would take us, a while probably, but never expecting, I think, that we wouldn't get pregnant. You know, both of our siblings have children that happen quite easily. So it was just not, having fertility issues was not something we ever anticipate. I don't think it's anything anybody ever anticipates. Um, So we first got pregnant in um, October 2017. Um, We discovered grand final week that um, I was pregnant. Um, super excited. We were like, it's only taken us six months. That's great. Um, amazing. Um, you know, had good um, 
good HCG levels and things when we had our blood test done quite early. And then I, at um, six weeks, so literally 24 hours after I had my blood test started spotting, Okay. Um, and we went in to have our um, dating scan and by the time we went in for a dating scan I, I was bleeding um, and they couldn't find anything on my scan um, so we were told at that point that we've we'd either had an early miscarriage or a chemical pregnancy where you know obviously you have the hormones of a pregnancy but not a viable pregnancy mm-hmm. so I think even then we were like it'll be fine you know we know that one in four women have miscarriages and it's you know our first time trying we'll just keep trying um so we then went and saw um in the January of 2018 we went and saw our GP and she just suggested that because of our age you know we were both just about 38 then um and the fact that we'd had a miscarriage and that we'd been trying for sort of seven or eight months by then that it would be a good idea for us to just go and check in with a fertility specialist and um, have some tests done and see where we were at. Um, So February 2018, we went in and met our first fertility specialist. Um, We've been with two clinics, so our first clinic. Um, did all the blood tests, did all the scans, you know, did everything to check out my egg reserve level and things like that. And at that point, at almost 38, everything looked fine. Oh, wow, um, that's, that's really incredible know, at 38 to have everything looking great. Yeah. <laughs> I think what I've discovered though is that at 38 it declines really quickly. So, oh. you know, we <laughs> everything looked fine at that point. My, I should mention also that my husband in the... November before had had a vasectomy reversal. Oh wow! Um, so okay. even 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 all of his tests and everything looked fine. Um, everything was looking good. So oh, wow. okay. Um, so at that point, um, our fertility specialist sent us away for three men- three months and just went. Everything looks good. Just keep trying. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we we were kind of like, okay, this is not too bad. <laughs> you know, we're looking good. So you've done, and, and that's like you've done all your tests. You've done, and so you sort of at that point yeah. are trusting in the process. Okay, we look great. Let's just go back to the drawing board and start. Yeah, start trying. Yeah, we we just keep trying. You know, yeah. and I think for me at that point, I was you know before we met with a fertility specialist, I was a little bit panicked about the fact that I was thirty eight. You know, I was a bit like, oh, this is going to be bad. I don't know what's going to come back on the test results. And you know, when everything come back fine, I think that just made me relax a bit yeah, I was yeah. like oh this is okay like it'll be yeah, fine yeah, we'll, we'll get, get pregnant that, yeah. it's just gonna take more time yeah um so we then went back um after the three months um and my AMH levels so my egg reserve levels were tested again and they had in those three months declined significantly oh wow um so I then in three months time like in that three month period of time was then told that my um my levels, my AMH levels were quite low for even for my age. Um, I was on the much lower end for my age and that we probably needed to just jump straight into IVF. Oh, oh wow. So in the space of three months wow. you've gone from looking perfectly fine to yep. now. <laughs> yeah. That is yep. just so, and that's so dramatic. It is. And it's, I, I think I found it bizarre, but the more I look into AMH and the more I hear about other people's stories, I think the thing with your AMH levels is it's a blood test and I think that your levels can be significantly different depending on the time of month that they do your blood tests. Oh, so, okay. 
you know, I know that my initial blood test, he was very specific about when I did it, what time, you know, what date in the month and things like that. The second one, not so much. So I think even then I was like, oh, okay, this is bad, but it's probably not too bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that I went into IVF confident that we would get pregnant. I was still like there's, and even now, you know, eight stim cycles in, I'm still not at a point where I don't think we'll get pregnant. I think it's just going to take a lot longer than we thought it was going to. So I think that um, we, and I'm big on jumping straight in. I just don't, I don't like to think about things too much. You know, for me, I'm like, if we, or like today, for example, but I think (laughs) if we, if I'd have thought about that too much, I might have backed out. (laughs) We, we, um, don't overthink we, it. Uh, uh, I just don't even. I literally text my husband and said, "So I'm doing a podcast tonight." <laughs> He's like, "What?" <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we just jumped straight in. So we booked our um, first stim cycle in August of 2018, um, and you know, I was. I'm petrified of needles. So the whole idea of doing, oh my God, (laughs) the whole idea of doing IVF, like I was just, it wasn't even, I wasn't worried about having the actual retrieval. I wasn't worried about anesthetic. I wasn't worried about what the medications would do to me. It was just the injection, like the Mm -hmm. fact that I had to do an injection. So when when the nurse ran me through um, all of the injections I had to do in my first round, I just cried. Oh, <laughs> I literally just poor thing. cried and cried and cried. And, uh, you know, like all of us probably, I got home and I sucked it up and I did it and it's fine. Yeah. Well, I made Hayley do all of mine pretty much. <laughs> I still didn't really <laughs> like doing my own. <laughs> yep. um, I... I'm still a little bit of a sook and I actually use um, a numbing gel. So before all of my injections, I put on a numbing cream. No way. I feel yep. like I feel like I'm going to do that. I, I've, yeah. I've read about these numbing gels and I think I'm on board with yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. I didn't even know but that yeah. existed. Yeah, numbing, numbing cream all the way. I've now for eight cycles have used numbing cream the whole way and it makes it so much easier because wow. for me it's not necessarily – the sting of the liquid being injected. It's the piercing of the skin that I can't deal with. So yeah. if I can make that bit easier, the rest is fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we jumped into our um, first round of IVF. Um, I think that for me, having researched IVF a little bit, when we were told how many eggs we were retrieved in my first stim cycle, I freaked out because, you know, you see these women have astronomical numbers like you know 24 eggs 28 yeah. eggs yeah and, I, and we we got five yeah we actually so got the like, same what? amount yeah oh, we got five yeah, first five. round and yeah. and oh. four second round so I was doing the exact same thing you just see all yeah. these I'm people like, what with, is this yeah you, yeah you see everyone yeah. posting like, I got 30 eggs you're like what, what? are you have you got chickens yeah, yeah I don't get it <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I'm like. I'm, I'm constantly on forums and he's yeah. reading those numbers out to my husband. He's like, how do people get those numbers? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, but that's clearly not our lot. Uh, I don't know after doing some stim cycles that I want to grow 28 eggs anyway. But Yeah, it's a lot. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. Um, yeah. So we got we got um, four, f- uh, five, sorry, five eggs out. Um, and then, you know, by day three, we only had uh, um, one embryo going. So mm-hmm. all five of ours fertilised, but by day three, we only had one embryo. Um, so the recommendation of our specialist at that point was to transfer that embryo on day three. Wow. Okay. Yep. Um, and, and that, and, you know, I think 
again, what I've learned going through all of this is that, you know, some, I guess some women get pregnant on day three embryos, but it's, you're less likely to. So, you know, I think I went into it having no idea what that meant and I just did it. And we obviously were were not pregnant. Um, I think for my first round, not being pregnant, I was not too disappointed because I don't know why I went into IVF with my husband saying to him, won't be the first round, it'll be the second. Yeah. Won't be the first, it'll be the second. Yeah. Um, I guess it's one of those things because you look at the you look at all the um, like you said you read the forums and a lot of people have gone through the multiple rounds. So I think I don't. I mean, I look, I, I could be wrong, but a lot of women do sort of have that um, you know projection that it's not going to be on the first round. You're bloody lucky if you, if you yeah. do get it the first it's round. Very I mean, rare. I, I don't I know if I know anyone. Yeah, I don't think I've met too many people who have fallen on the first round. But if yeah, if there are, if, I'm sure there's plenty out there, but. Yeah, <laughs> you read a lot of a lot of the ones who haven't. So it kind of you kind of go in with the mindset. Okay, it might not happen the first time. Yeah, okay, it's going to cost me ten grand or whatever. No, no worries. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but yeah. yeah, and and you know you just you just go into it knowing that it's. I think you go into it thinking that you know. I know even like money wise for us, we were like, okay, so it might take us three rounds yeah. we can manage that that'll be fine yeah 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 <laughs> that's it's no that's yeah. not how it happens so yeah. um I think for us we then um we then went into our second round with our initial specialist in the November of 2018 um same thing again we only got five eggs out of that and same thing I was just like is this just like normal for me because it doesn't seem normal for everybody else um but, and, you know, like I think that the clinic's response to that is that some people are just poor responders to medication. Yeah. How did you find that response just on that? Like did you? I think that for me with my second round, I just went, oh, okay, but then I did a third and a fourth round with the same clinic and I was just like, no, that that answer actually is not good enough for yeah, me. Like it's just, it. you know, there's got to be other things we can do. Yeah. Um, for me though, on our second round of IVF, we got we were lucky and we got pregnant. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we, um, we found out, um, it would have been, I think early in the December that we were pregnant, um, which was great. We had to keep it a secret all through Christmas. Um, and you know, we, we'd kind of decided that we were not keen to tell too many people just cause you know, we'd obviously had the miscarriage before. And mm-hmm. I think for me, I was very like, I just need to get I, I would set benchmarks for myself where I needed to get through. So, you know, I knew I, I miscarried at seven weeks last time. I'm like, I've just got to get through seven weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I was like, and then I've just got to get to 10 weeks when you do the harmony testing. And yeah. then I've just got to get to 12 weeks and then we'll decide when we tell people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think we we were a bit like that. So we, I was um, from seven weeks for me, I already started to freak out um, because I started bleeding at seven weeks. Oh. I, it was almost seven weeks on the dot I started bleeding. Um, I My poor fertility specialist at the time would have hated me because I literally called them up crying hysterically at least twice a week going, I'm going to lose this baby. And they're like, you're not, it's fine. Everything's looking fine. Yeah. Um, and they took me in and... Um, would give me a scan. They scanned me twice a week if that's what I needed to be able to see that the heartbeat was good, that the baby was growing and that the bleeding I had was outside of the uterus, not in the uterus. Okay. So, um, you know, that actually continued on up until we lost our pregnancy at 13 weeks. So I had quite significant bleeding from seven weeks until 13 weeks. Oh, my God. So you can, 
Yep. So you can imagine what that's like. It's like huge levels of anxiety the whole way through. And and what did they, like, you know, they said it was external bleeding. So did they at any point between the seven and the 13 weeks go, okay, maybe this isn't external bleeding? Like what's sort of going on here? No, well, because every scan they did showed that it was external bleeding. Right. Oh, so, okay, right. so they could see when they did um, an ultrasound, they could see that there was no free blood in the uterus, yeah, So right. which meant it was coming from outside. Okay. Um, what they think it was, I was on um, progesterone pessaries for yeah. support as well. So that can irritate your cervix and can c- cause bleeding. Okay. So they think that it was just that. Um, yeah, so there's there was no really, there was nothing else they could really tell me about the bleeding other than that lots of women bleed for their whole pregnancies apparently. And oh, I was I like, it's first, first, first I've heard of that, but okay. Wow. <laughs> That's the first I've heard of it as yeah. well. I've, I've yeah. Yeah. And look, and I think that I, I also had, um, so my fertility specialist at the time was male, which is fine. Um, but he also had, um, a midwife attached to his clinic. And I think meeting with her, she actually reassured me a lot more and gave me a lot more information about bleeding in pregnancy and kind of just calmed me a little bit more. And, you know, it's, I think that it's just, um, differences in approaches and, and, you know, I think bedside that that manner. Was, yeah, bedside manner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely bedside manner. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, that was better. Um, so I think then my husband and I did the harmony testing. Um, I think it's also called NIPT testing. Yeah, yeah. same, NIP. same. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we did the harmony testing again, thinking that there would be like nothing wrong, everything would be fine. Um, we then it, it takes a couple of weeks for that to come back. So we then. Um, while waiting for those tests to come back, we had made the decision at about 11 weeks that we would tell my husband's two children that we were pregnant. Okay. And and they were young. They were, I think, at the time five and 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and we made the decision to tell our parents and siblings we were pregnant at that point because I think we were just confident everything was fine. Yeah. Um, so then at, at around... Um, just before 12 weeks, we got called into the fertility specialist's office um, for our results. And I knew obviously straight away then that there was something wrong that we were getting called in. Um, And we were told that we had a 99.9% chance of Down syndrome in our pregnancy. Oh, gosh. Yep. (laughs) I will get upset now. No, it's Um, all right. So we, (laughs) sorry. Um, so I think at that point we, um, what we were offered was to do um, CVS, a CVS testing um, and, sorry. That's okay. That's um, C- CVS testing for somebody that's scared of needles is hideous. Um, it, CVS testing is essentially an amniocentesis. It's like an early amniocentesis. Right. Right. Um, so it's where guided by an ultrasound they stick a really 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 long needle down into your uterus through your tummy oh my gosh um to um take some of the fluid out of um I think from memory it's from the umbilical cord um to be able to test that and it's a lot more accurate than um the harmony test okay um so we were told if that came back as positive for down syndrome um, that we that it was a hundred percent that our baby had Down syndrome. Um, part of why we made the decision to do the CVS testing is that there were no signs and no markers in our ultrasound at all of Down syndrome. 
and that's usually like um, the, the, the 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 like centimeters the, the of the, the spine the or something thickening like of the, the thickening of the neck yeah um, that's right. and, and also a nose bone most down syndrome babies don't have a nose bone yeah okay right, right. Um, so our our baby's neck measured fine, um, and she had a um, a nose bone, and yeah. there was nothing that indicated in our scans that yeah. um, that the baby had Down syndrome. So we decided to do the CVS testing because it you know sort of was yeah. conflicting yeah. results for yeah. us, I suppose, um, and we wanted to know without a doubt where we were at so we could make some decisions. Yeah, um, I think for us for a multitude of reasons, including the fact that we're, we, you know, both at this stage are heading towards 40, um, that there were two other children involved, you know, that we made the decision that we, a Down syndrome pregnancy for us was too much. Yeah. Um, and we just, you know, it was just not something we were willing to move forward with. Yeah. Um, it was a really hard decision because yeah. we were like, what if this is the only pregnancy we are ever going to have? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it was the right decision at the time. Yeah. How is Nick, your husband, through all that? Oh, he's, Nick's brilliant through all of this. I, I'll, I'll be honest, he just does whatever I want him to, you know, like. <laughs> Perfect he, husband. I think, oh, I think in all honesty, I think that, you know, um, before we changed specialists, I think that Nick would have stopped at any point and I, I just want to keep going so he just keeps going. Oh, you wow. Know, it's just <laughs> a good husband. Yeah. <laughs> it is a good husband and, you know, I think that his biggest concern really is that I'm the one that has to do all of the physical stuff, you know, yeah. and that's I think that's hard for him. I think it's hard for him to sit back and not be able to do anything. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'm a bit of a control freak with the ejections too so he would do them if I let him but I'd, I'd need to do them myself. I need to have some control over that's given on so scared that's fine you know it's what it's you know whatever suits you I mean I can't say I'm going to be the same for that I'll be like can you do them (laughs) yeah Yeah, or you lay back and shut your eyes yeah yeah, that's literally what I will be doing I'll be closing my eyes and hoping for the best yeah (laughs) whereas for me the injection thing is more about the pinch of the injection than watching it I can watch injections and I can I'm good with blood and gore and all of that stuff it's just the pinch of the injection that freaks me out so um, and you know, I do, I am a bit of a control freak, so I like to know exactly what's happening. And, and yeah. I think because I'm then doing that to my own body, I deal with it better than if somebody else was. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it know. sounds like Nick's a really supportive husband and has, th- I mean, I can't, I can't imagine what that, like how you sort of go home and, and deal with that decision and then the questions that you have to ask yourself. But at the end of the day, it's like you said, it's a decision you have to come to and, and it's what's best for you. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I think that I think one of the hardest parts about that decision for us too was the fact that we had told people we were pregnant, you know, yeah. like Nick, Nick and I, um, I think he always finds it interesting if I agree to do things like podcasts because we've been quite private about our IVF journey, um, mostly because that's what works for us, yeah. you know, like yeah. I, I don't, um, again, like I, I'm happy to talk to people about my IVF journey, but when on my terms, when I want to, I don't like being asked a million questions. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, fine. it's, yeah. it's, you know, so um, we, we actually just, when we, when we, probably not the right way to do it, but when we d- made the decision to terminate our pregnancy, we, aside from Nick's children, we literally just sent a text out to all of our family that had been told and just said to them, this is the situation. We don't want to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. 
just give us some space. Yeah. Um, and then we had to um, bring Nick's boys in and explain to them what had happened. So that was hard, you know. Nick's youngest was only, um, I think, five at the time. Yeah. Um, and it's quite hard for a five-year-old to understand that. And, you know, I, I, even for us then, we didn't explain about Down syndrome and what that means and that we chose to terminate the pregnancy. We just explained to them that sometimes babies stop growing when, yeah. when they're in your tummy and that's what's happened. You yeah, know, yeah. that's that's kind of how we explained that. Yeah. Um, and the questions that come from a five-year-old after that are, are hard enough, I think, oh, you know, yeah. like I think. I think one of the questions was like, when when the, when the baby dies in your tummy, do they bring it, do they pull it up out of your mouth? Oh, oh my God. Like, <laughs> so my husband fielded all of those questions. I didn't do any of those. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't even, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a tough one. Lots lots of questions and, yeah. you know, it's, and, you know, I think we, whether it was a mistake or not, we don't think it is, we, we ended up making the decision to get a puppy like the week after we told them. So the day before I went in and had my surgical termination of pregnancy, we picked up a new puppy. And so that distracted the boys. I mean, I almost think though that's, I mean, even though it's a distraction for the boys, I think that is not something really nice for you as well. It absolutely was. Like I I actually think getting a a puppy helped Nick and I get through that period of time because we just had to and we had something else that we had to focus on, you know. So Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Something. You have to kind of pick yourself up and and keep going. And yeah, a puppy's a p- perfect distraction. It is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Great. I mean, like, yeah, I just think you know you need something to to take your mind off what you're going through. And I think you know, like, I'm not telling everyone out out there to go get a puppy, but you know, it's a, a really. I think the decision to do that. It's not. Yeah, it's a good one. So I think it it would have been a nice sort of distraction from everything that that was going on. So. At this at this point, obviously, it's a very tough tough time for you and Nick. You know, you're going through a the termination, I guess, and then from that point, how do you do? You pick yourself back up to to start again. I think that for me, through every part of this, it's about me knowing what the next step is and focusing on the next step because that's how I operate with everything. I think so. You know. Uh, I knew that we um, we had been on a wait list to have a laparoscopy done um, for about 12 months um, and when I booked in for my um, termination of pregnancy, they let me know that I was next up on the list okay. for my laparoscopy. So I think for me we just had to get through the termination and I focused on the fact that I was going, I was booked in then in the April for a laparoscopy. Yeah. So we we had a termination in mid um mid-February in 2019 and then early April um, in 2019, sorry, um, I had a laparoscopy just to do some a bit more investigating about, um, you know, why we were struggling to get pregnant. Yeah. And how did that go? What were, what were the results for that? Um, I had minimal results from that. Um, I had, for my whole life, my whole, you know, life of having a period um I have always had quite heavy and painful periods so I was convinced that I had quite significant endometriosis Mm -hmm. um turns out I don't um so we um I had my laparoscopy they found um some endometriosis but minimal endometriosis kind of between my uterus and my bladder so nothing that would be preventing me from getting pregnant um they um, cleaned that out while I had that surgery and there was nothing else that they found wow, at all. that's interesting. Yep, so everything looked fine. My tubes were clear and fine. Yes. 
um, you know, nothing, nothing else in my uterus that looked like I should not be able to maintain a pregnancy, I suppose, if we got pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did Nick at this point at all um, do any tests on himself as well? Did he, just because he had, you, you said he had the reverse of the vasectomy, does he have to keep doing tests to make sure things are all good down there? Or no? he, he hasn't done. The biggest thing they were concerned about with his reversal is that apparently a lot of men have a particular antibody in their sperm after a reversal um, yeah. and okay. um, he was tested for that um, when we first started seeing our initial specialist um, yeah. and he tested negative for that, which is great um, because we were told if he tested positive for that, that we would have had to go straight to IVF yeah, um, right. and, that we, and that we would have had to do um, ICSI where they inseminate the sperm. Yeah. Um, as it turns out for us, which I didn't mention in the first round, we did um, half ICSI and half natural yeah. um, and none of our none of our natural ones fertilised. Okay. So we we from then on have just gone straight with ICSI yeah. rather than losing yeah. eggs. Yeah, I think. we did ICSI too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's just... Yeah, just, I don't know. I think lots of people are against ICSI because it's it's a bit more invasive, yeah. but uh, we we personally had better fertilisation results, so we just kept going yeah. with it. Yeah, totally fair enough, yeah. Um, so after the laparoscopy, we jumped um, pretty much straight back into another round as soon as we could. Um, so we did a third round um, with that specialist. Um, I already by then was in two minds about whether I moved forward with doing a third round with that specialist or not. Um, I had already contacted my current specialist's clinic and was on the wait list there. Um, but I think ultimately I did, um, a third round with, um, the first specialist because I didn't want to wait. (laughs) I was impatient and I didn't Mm -hmm. want to have to wait months and months. And so I was like, let's just do it Mm -hmm. and hope that it works. Um, I think that for that round we had um, worse results again. So we only got four eggs that time um, and we only had one embryo make it to day five. Um, So, again, and our plan sort of for our third round was to do – the PGS testing because we'd had the Down syndrome pregnancy. We were like, we are going to test all of our embryos from here on out because I don't want to have to go through that again and Nick yeah. doesn't want to have to go through that again. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but most clinics, if you only have one embryo left at the end, don't don't recommend PGS testing because, again, it's invasive and you've yeah. got to freeze them and defrost them and, you know, there's more chance that that embryo won't last. So we, again, did a fresh embryo transfer um, and weren't pregnant. Okay. Um, so at that point, um, we, so that was in around about June, 2019. Um, and for those three rounds with that particular clinic, we, they used the same protocol the whole time. They didn't change my protocol once for all three rounds. And did you, did you ask them at all to maybe change it or was they, were they Um, just, you know, no, this is the way to sort of do it? He was very like, no, nah, this is the way we're going to do it. Okay. And I think I just didn't know better, you know, like. Well, I mean, I guess so, that's, and that's fair enough. We're, you know, you're dealing with scientists and embryologists. That's and why you go. That's why you go to, to them. them. <laughs> like I yeah. trust in the process because yeah. you know everything. But yeah. 
sometimes. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But sometimes sometimes not. Yeah. And you know, I think I think that what I've since found out about my initial clinic is that um, you know, being quite a large clinic, their kind of um their protocols seem to be quite similar across the board and they don't tend to mix them up much and don't change them and they don't really think outside the box that yeah. much. So um and I think sometimes you have to, you know, yeah. we're not hundred percent you know, we're we women's bodies are not cookie cutter bodies. No, we're, all we're not the all the same. same. That's it. Yeah. We're all yeah. completely different. Yeah. So although I went ahead with round three with the, the initial clinic, I think already in my mind I was like, this is a mistake, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, just waiting to meet with my current specialist. Yeah. So eventually um, I had an appointment come up in September with my current specialist, September of 2019. Um she was amazing. She she literally just looked at all of my test results that I've um, that I'd had done at the previous clinic. Um, said to me, they're, "They're recent enough. We don't need to do more tests. Let's. When do you want to start?" And I was like, "When can I start?" And she's like, "Well, your day one is due in ten days. Let's start then." Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Get yeah. up. Yeah, let's do this." Yeah. So that's literally what we did. We just jumped straight into our first round. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably like lots of clinics, we, what I didn't really realize is that she doesn't necessarily do all of the retrievals herself. Um, she's got a couple of specialists that work in her clinic. So although she oversees the entire thing and all of the treatment plans, she doesn't necessarily do the egg retrievals. Um, so my first retrieval was done by another specialist in her clinic and, and, you know, I was assured that he um does um that he gets all the eggs yeah it's yeah. great and if there's eggs there he'll get all the eggs yeah I'm like okay this is great that's fine I don't care who retrieves my eggs so long as we get some yes yeah. you know I wasn't too bothered at that point yeah um so we um went into that round the protocol was completely different to the clinic before mm-hmm. and so that made me happy I was just like great yeah. this yeah. looks nothing like what I had before so I'm yeah. happy about that yeah um and we got to egg retrieval and we had our worst result yet. We got two eggs. Oh, oh wow. kidding. Um, and neither of those eggs fertilised. So oh. we ultimately got nothing out of that round. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, second round. And I um, I live in um, Geelong also. So I was tra- I was travelling to Melbourne um, oh, to gosh. do that. Yeah. Um, and so the second round I was like I'm not traveling to Melbourne for that and they do they operate out of the Epworth and there's an Epworth in Geelong so um, I had my next one done at the Epworth in Geelong um in the October we just jumped straight back in the next month um and I'm like that I'm like you know am I sick of doing injections yes but let's just keep going yeah yeah was Um, there any different kind of um like was she your fertility specialist at this point like you know thinking we need to try different drugs or yep yeah yep, that's good so it's obviously better than the the better than the last specialist you know obviously that the actively changing and alternating the, the um the process would would make you feel more confident I guess oh absolutely and you know like I think my initial cycle with her they call an antagonist cycle um and then the second cycle is called a flare cycle so um I think from memory it was a shorter cycle of drugs but it's supposed to you know depending on your body and how you respond, it should give you better results in a quicker time frame. Okay. Um, so we did that. Yeah. Um, in October, late October, 2019. Um, and that resulted in only one egg. Oh, 
Okay. Um, that also didn't fertilize. Oh, <laughs> yep. Wow. Um, so then um, I met with my specialist again. She reviewed all of my results and decided looking at my, um, you know, all my different hormone levels that she suspected that I was ovulating early. Um, and that is part of why, because when I was going in for my scans, there was a good number of eggs or a good number of follicles there. And we all know that follicles don't necessarily mean eggs, yeah. but um, there's a good number of follicles there. My levels were at a, at a point that they were like, there should be eggs in those follicles yeah. and then they weren't getting them. Yeah. Um, so for my third round in late November, so we jumped straight back in again, mm-hmm. they um, then um, reverted back to the initial protocol that we did, um, but included, um, an extra injection to, um, suppress my ovulation. Okay. Um, so, you know, when, when I did my trigger injection for that one, I also did an injection to still suppress ovulation, um, which meant that it kind of slowed the trigger down, I suppose. And it meant that I had more eggs, um, for them to retrieve. So that third round, she actually got eight eggs out. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's, that's amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> it was better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I think that the slight change in protocol combined with the fact that she had made the decision that she wanted to do that egg retrieval herself, yeah. um, made the difference. Yeah. So, um, you know, she got eight eggs out. Um, we, that resulted for us in four frozen embryos that had grown to day six. Yep. So we could genetically test those embryos. Amazing. Um, so we did the PGS testing and froze all of those embryos and then settled in for the four week wait for those results to come back. Yeah. Um, so in, um, out of those, um, three embryos, we had, two were able to, sometimes they can't PGS test test them. So um, I don't know if you know much about PGS testing, but when they um, when they take the cells out of the embryo to send off for PGS testing, sometimes the part, part of the embryo that forms the placenta is too close to the shell, which means that they won't test them because it's, it's too risky for them right. to take cells from that. Yeah. Um, so for us, we had one that was like that, um, that they couldn't test and then two got sent off for testing. Um, so after the four week wait, um, those results come back as, um, high level mosaic results, which means that between 40 and 80% of those embryos are abnormal. So when you say abnormal, like, is that, what does that, like, what kind of abnormalities they're talking like genetically, they, they just... Yeah, they're talking about, so they give you, um, and I don't have my results in front of me to tell you about them, but they they give you what chromosomes are abnormal in those cells. Okay, I got you. Um, And sometimes it could be that that you've got a deletion of that cell, like it's missing it, or you could have an addition of that cell, so you've got too many of them. Yeah. Sometimes, so with with a mosaic result, if it's a low-level mosaic, that's, you know, sort of up to 40% um result of abnormal and most clinics are willing to transfer those and give them a go yeah um but but once they're high level most clinics won't transfer them because it's it's either a risk of um no live birth you'll miscarry or it won't implant yeah um or there's a risk of birth defect depending on what the um what the chromosome is that's abnormal Yeah. yeah okay um and so at that point um we decided that we would jump back in again yeah and do you have to um discard those embryos once they're tested 
No, it's up to us. So at the moment they're still frozen. Yeah. Um, and it's up to us what we what we do with them. My current clinic won't transfer them. Yeah. Other clinics will. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've met with the genetic scientists there to just find out what they would consider viable to transfer and out of this cycle and the next one. Um, we have one embryo that they think we could give a, a go, but at this stage, my specialist isn't willing to transfer it. Okay, so right. It's just something we need to think about, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I we decided that after um, in November we were like, let's just have a break. Yeah. yeah. Let's just get through Christmas and have a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, we were all geared up to um, go into um, our next cycle in I think late March, early April, mm-hmm. um, and then COVID hit mm-hmm. and oh. clinics shut down. And yep. um, I think the clinics literally shut down a day or two before I was due oh, to no. start my day one. Oh, my God. Um, so I miss, missed the boat. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, You wouldn't morning. have been alone. Um, I think I saw on the forums um, that we're part of a lot of people saying, like, I've missed out by a day or I was yep. just like my heart actually broke. Yeah. I, I mean, we, it shut down here as well and – um, but we weren't at that point trying. But, yeah, when it happened in Melbourne, I was just reading all the forums and I'm like, oh, my goodness, all these poor people. Like yeah, it, just- it, was, it was hideous. And I think, you know, like I think the thing too for me is like at that point I'm like I am 40. Like I turned 40 in March this year. I'm like I am 40. I do not have the luxury of time. If this is going to take 12 yeah. months before we can go back to doing this, yeah, that's me done, you know, yeah. like and I think that that was my headspace. I was like if we can't get back to doing this sooner rather than later, that's me done. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. we may as well just stop. Yeah. Um, so I think I was really lucky that by the time I was due for my day one in the next month in May, we were back up and running. Um, I think it was most clinics were somewhat at a reduced capacity, but um, my clinic can do lots of their um, pre-work and then their transfers in the clinic rather than the hospital so they could continue operating for some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so we in May jumped in with the same protocol again. Um, this time around I had heard about um, a drug called or a hormone called Omnitrope, which is the human growth hormone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had heard that some women in the old age bracket had had success with better quality embryos using Omnitrope. So I called my clinic and was like, can I use this? Yeah. Um, and they agreed for me to do it. Um, yeah. It's quite um, very very expensive it's it's um they do them in an, an epi pen i think you get about four injections out of it and it's eight hundred dollars an epi pen oh, holy gosh. wow Oaks. that's a yep. lot so, <laughs> so it's a lot of money and but we were like we just we've got to just try yeah yeah um so we did that um and realistically our results were not that not much better we still got nine eggs retrieved which was amazing yep, yep. um and we had six fertilized yep six fertilized um and we ended up with five embryos at day six yeah um one of those was unable to be tested and the other five all got sent off for genetic testing yep um so at this stage that means we've got two untested embryos frozen Mm -hmm. um so unfortunately again the results of those embryos came back as um high level mosaics again um and so um one of them one of the five that were tested come back as a no result sometimes yeah. the the cells that they take don't necessarily 
produce the result when they test them. So um, that one they were still willing to use, but the others not. So um, in theory at that point we had three embryos sitting there that we could use that were untested embryos. And for me genetic testing really was a big waste of money. Yeah, (laughs) right, yeah. Um, you know, and most clinics charge quite a bit for genetic testing. Yeah, it's you know, not like seven hundred dollars per yeah, embryo. Yeah. It's not cheap. Just adding that, you know, the few dollars to the already thousands of dollars that you're spending. It's yeah. just like I feel like it should yeah. be. Well, I, I believe it should be free, but you know, it's one of those things that down the track I, I will probably advocate for. But definitely, yeah, it's a. I think <laughs> it's something that just needs to be needs to be yeah. free for everyone. Um, it, with the with the mosaic. Um, results were, was your specialist at this point saying you know this is, might be why this is happening why they're turning out this way or are they not at that you know I, I, I don't know yeah. if they're sort of qualified in that sort they, of yeah area they I, are yeah. so so for me they think that the the high level mosaic results um are due to my age and okay. it's about the quality of your um embryos so you know poor egg quality will at most of the time produce poor quality embryos yeah um so i think due to my age due to my low egg reserve um they think that i just have poor quality eggs okay yeah yeah um and unfortunately there's there's you know there's things you can do to try and improve your egg quality but for me none of that stuff's worked i'm on six million supplements and i do um fertility acupuncture every week and you know i've changed my diet and yeah. you know throughout throughout the last two and a half years I've done everything you can to increase your, your egg quality and it's just not doing it for yeah. us yeah. unfortunately so um yeah so I think after that I had a discussion with my fertility specialist about the fact that I just cannot afford to continue to do stim cycles you know yeah. like at ten thousand dollars a pop yeah. it's you know yeah. and we've we've done seven or eight of them by now it's yeah. you know it's it's a bit much yeah um so she agreed that we would transfer my untested embryos yeah um and my no result embryo so um we've just done when did we do them august this year yeah. we transferred our first untested embryo yep. um and they did a um they call it a medicated cycle so there's a whole bunch of different medications and they give you like the same kind of injections that you have when you trigger yeah. um because apparently that can help support an embryo to implant yeah um that re- didn't result in a pregnancy yeah right um our we then um went in september um into a um, hormone replacement cycle so they um you know things like estrogen patches um i'm taking um prognova which is also another form of estrogen so quite high estrogen um on top of all of that um i also have um been tested for and have natural killer cells so i'm doing clexane injections which are blood thinners oh my god prenicillone which is a steroid um to kind of try and support all of that as well yeah um and so we did our second transfer in September um on all of that and again not successful um so we had one one embryo left um that was our no result embryo um we actually had that transferred last Wednesday so I'm eight days post transfer today yeah um but but at this point looking like that's going to be unsuccessful as well because I can't help but pregnancy test at home I can't yeah I I understand that I I just can't not yeah I can't wait for beta day I'm like you guys crazy I'm like I'll be testing as soon as I feel like yeah I I was peeing on sticks straight away yeah 
oh yeah I, I was like that this cycle I'm like this is our last one so yeah. it's got to be right um, yeah. but at, at this stage it's we're pretty certain eight days post that we're at a negative One of the biggest things I've learned about myself and my husband throughout this process is how resilient we are, you know, like I think that you just have to keep going. Yeah. You know, like you've, it's it's a bit like eye on the prize, you know, you, there's an end goal and you've just got to keep doing what you've got to do to get to that end goal. And, yeah. you know, is there a point where you stop? There is, but, you know, what that point is, I don't know because I'm not there yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I think I think for Nick and I, you know, we've had lots of discussions leading up to this transfer, you know, about what would happen if we were not successful um, this time around. And, you know, I guess one of our options would be um, egg donation um, because by all accounts it's, it's my eggs that are the issue. Um, so, you know, we that's something I've looked into a little bit and, um, you know, we've explored as a couple as to, you know, how we would navigate that and what that looks like for each of us, I suppose. Um, I think through the whole IVF process, I've been a lot more open to the things that we might need to do than Nick has been, but he usually comes around to the same ideas in the end. It's just, he just takes his time as well, you know? Um, I'm um, a social worker by trade, so I think I just process things really quickly. Yeah. You know, I just having to process things quickly. So it's and it's the same in my personal life. I I compartmentalize the bits of my life that I need to to forge on ahead and keep going, and yeah. and I process I process quickly. You know, I'm I'm pretty self aware. Um, so it's just a case of you know letting Nick come around to his own conclusions about what he thinks we should do as well. Um, I think that. For me, I was initially, up until probably two days ago, leaning towards egg donation. Um, but, you know, it would be something that Nick and I ultimately would have to borrow money to do. It's, you know, it's, I think the minimal cost is about $25,000. Is it? I didn't, I didn't know that. Wow. That's, that's So that, and that's for egg donation. That's like nothing else. That's purely just to have the donation done. You can do embryo donation a couple of ways. You can do it with a known donor, so somebody that you know that's willing to donate an embryo. Um, Nick and I don't want to go down that track, I think. You know, like I, I, I feel like that that's an extra complication in our life we probably just don't need. Yeah. Um, or you can do anonymous donors. And the clinic that I work with imports their embryos from, I think, the Ukraine. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Um, so, and, and a lot of the bigger clinics um, in Victoria, I think a lot of the bigger clinics in general import if you don't have your own embryos purely because there's not a massive egg donation bank in Australia. People yeah. just don't do it here. Um, I don't know what the difference is overseas and what the incentive is for people to do it, but they seem to do it a lot more overseas than they do here. So, I wonder if they um, get paid for it because I know we can't, it's illegal to be yeah. paid for it here, but. I imagine. I, I know. In the presume U- they would get paid overseas. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm guessing that they do as well. But yeah. um, I, I kind of, for me, I, I, I'm not bothered how they donate them, so long as they donate them. And yeah. you know, it's it's a case of um, usually when you do do it through a clinic, um, in this manner, you um, the the um, all. Your embryos aren't tested, but um, the person donating has all the, you know, genetic screenings that they need yeah. to have. They're generally their known donors, so they will have proven pregnancies, either their own pregnancies or pregnancies that um, are 
um, you know, the result of IVF of the egg donation. So yeah. uh, that, that $25,000 is the lower end of the scale and that would get me from memory, I think it's six or eight eggs. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, wow. And then it's a guarantee of three embryos. So if you don't get three, if you don't get three embryos out of those eight eggs, then they give you another eight eggs. Oh, okay. That's okay. interesting. Yep. So there's a there's a couple of different ways that it can be done. I think, and you know, you can do it all the way up to. You know, I know the the biggest cost is about forty five thousand dollars, and I think same thing. You get something like ten embryos, but that's for a guaranteed pregnancy up to ten weeks. Okay. So if you don't get a pregnancy out of those 10 eggs, um, then you get another 10 eggs. Gotcha. Right, okay. I see. It's a, it's a lot for you to think about having already gone through what is a really, um, you know, like tough journey so far. How, um, I guess, like how are you and Nick feeling, you know, pos- positivity-wise at this point? How, how's your confidence go- going forward? Yep, I, I think that... Some of the discussion that we've had in the last couple of days is that I, in particular, am still confident that I can and will get pregnant with my own eggs. Um, so I think that our next step is I've started only today to explore some of the bulk build clinics. Yeah. Um, you know, ultimately for me, bulk build was not an option really before because we needed to do the genetic screening, but I'm transferring untested embryos anyway. So yeah. I think with a bulk build clinic comes with the same risk as transferring untested embryos yeah um so i think i think at this stage that we will have a look at doing another one maybe two stim cycles with a bulk build clinic if we can and then make a decision about egg donation yeah Yeah. Um, like i think that egg donation is something that's just sitting there waiting as a a last resort bus um you know it's it's something that i think that I've had to put a lot of thought into because ultimately it would not, you know, if we had a baby through egg donation, that baby would have Nick's genetics but not mine. Yeah. Um, so I've had to really think that through and, and decide whether that's something that I could do and was willing to do. But yeah. um, I think I want to be a mum outweighs the genetic stuff, you yeah. know. So And I, and I think if I can personally grow that baby myself and give birth to that baby myself, that's my baby. Exactly. A hundred percent. It's a similar, you know, circumstance for same sex couples. Like obviously both Fiona and I, as much as we'd love to be able to combine our genetics, we scientifically can't. So unfortunately, (laughs) but you know, it's one of those things that one of the fertility specialists that we spoke with, because we were thinking about doing in my egg and Fiona and Fiona's egg and me just sort of have that um, joint connection. And, um, but he was like, look, as, as much as, as beautiful that, as that is, the chance, it lowers your chances of falling. And at the end of the day, you're going to love that child no matter what. So yeah. it's sort of the love for the, for the child outweighs, you know, the fact that, yes, it would be lovely to, to get that, um, you know, joint sort of effort into, into the child and joint sort of, I guess it's not really my genetics, but, you know, that, that carrying, carrying it, it, things like that, things like that. But, but at the end, of, yeah, at the end of the day, the end goal like is the, just to have a child that you love. Yeah, I come around to that a lot quicker than Nick did. Even though that that baby would have Nick's genetics, he was a bit like, eh, I don't know how I feel about it. And you know, I think that there's lots of when you when you have um, a donor, and you guys will know this yourself. It, you, it, then you've got to consider what that baby's story becomes, and yeah. you know what what that gets told as they grow up and you know just those sorts of things and right now Nick and I differ a little bit on that um again I'm a social 
So my background is that is that you know every child really deserves to know their story. Yeah. Um, but you know that's I think that's something we could work out along the way if that's yeah. what we are. Thank you so much, Olivia, for sharing your journey with us. Uh, Look, it's an absolute privilege to be on here chatting with you and to share your story with our listeners. And I know that they'll be forever grateful for listening to your story. So thank you so much and thank you for your time. I appreciate you listening to my story. And, you know, but like I said earlier, you know, I think that it's hard to stay positive after eight STEM cycles. It's hard to stay positive after so many negative results. But, you know, you've, you've just got to keep your eye on the prize yeah. and towards that. And, you know, we do we all have days where we just don't get out of bed for the day? Absolutely. But, you know, every day, I guess, for us is a new day and you've just got to pick yourself up and keep going. Yeah, your so strong and your resilience is something that's going to, I think it's going to pick a lot of women up out there. You know, they're going to listen to this and go, you know, if Olivia can do it, I can do it too. So yeah. oh, I, I hope I'm going to cry now. Like, <laughs> no, it's, you know, and like I said, it's hard. It's hard work. It's absolutely hard work. But you know, and you know, I think we all go a little cuckoo at various stages with all the hormones that we're yeah. having to put into our bodies, and you know, and as well as the disappointment and the hope and all of that. But you know, I think that you've just got to keep going. Gosh, she's an incredible woman. Isn't she? She is, oh, I don't know, I've run out of words in the dictionary to th- to describe women who go on IVF journeys, but I don't know, resilient is one I often use. Um, yeah. Determined, I love, she's determined, her determination. Her, just And I mean, it's like what we all have to do when, when it doesn't work, the only way is to kind of pick yourself up, to brush off and just keep moving forward. And it'll be and whatever so, And whatever that direction is, like it's, it's not even like whatever – the direction that you're taking it's it's more just the fact that you pick yourself up which is what she she's doing she just picks herself up and she keeps on keeping on and we'll be keeping in touch with olivia and keeping you all updated because i think we all would love to see uh, a happy, happy ending. ending whatever that is whatever that whatever is. that is there will no. be a happy ending whatever that is so Lots of love to Olivia and Nick, husband Nick. You know, it takes two to tango. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all, all our beautiful listeners, for tuning in to another episode of What the IVF. It's been lovely to have you. I hope you've enjoyed. Bye, guys.